If you're able to stand and you're willing, uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to begin reading in verse 13, and we'll read on through verse 20. The Bible says in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto, them, unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not uh, revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. You may be seated. It's a very probing question here. I titled today's message, I Will Build uh, My Church. And so Jesus Christ is the builder of the local New Testament church. But there's a very probing question asked in, asked in this passage. And I want you to look at it again. Because this is the difference between whether people go to heaven or they go to hell. And it depends on what they believe this to be, whether they know Jesus Christ or not, and they know the truth or not. And the probing question is this, and that is in found in verse 15. But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Who is he to you? Now, if he's just a person that I learned about when I was in Sunday school, you're missing it. Although it was good that you learned about him in Sunday school. If he's just a name that you're aware of or you've heard it all your life, you need to know him as your personal Savior. You see, but whom do you say that Jesus is? What you believe about Jesus determines everything else that you do. Everything that you believe about Jesus determines everything else that you will do. Amen. As I look to the scriptures, he said, I will build my church, and we'll get into this in just a moment, and I'm so thankful for all of those that have been involved in this ministry to have this light shine for 49 years. When I watch the video and I see some of you in your earlier years, it's, I'm so grateful you're still here. You're still serving the Lord and, and you're still doing what God has called you to do. Uh, understanding that it wasn't predicated upon the man standing behind the pulpit, but predicated upon the Jesus Christ you serve. Amen? And I'm grateful. I see the Henshins here, and I'm grateful to see that. I see the Koenigs. I see the Livelies. I see uh, the Wolavers. I see all kinds of people. Miss Esther, Miss Epperly, I mean the Robins. And I see these faces, and I'm saying to myself, and I see the Sloans. And by the way, I saw a picture of you when you was young, Bill. You're still a handsome guy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that God's still using these folks. And what an amazing testimony to you. What an amazing testimony to you, that it has not been about the person behind the pulpit, but it's been about the Jesus Christ that you serve. And, and I thought about this a lot as I was preparing this message for this morning. There are many men, but only one God. Amen? There's many men, but only one God. <laughs> there's many men, but there's only one Savior. Amen? There's many men, but there's only one Savior. Uh, there's many men, but there's only one Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful to know? 
And, and there's many men, and these are uh, the, the three that really make the difference. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is what really makes the difference. Right. When I look at this, the Lord is the one who builds the church. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. And the Bible goes on to say, For there are three that uh, bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And you say, why didn't it say Jesus? Because it tells us in the book of John that Jesus Christ is the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was manifest among us, was it not? And so when it says in the Scriptures, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, it's saying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus Christ said He is the Word. And so these three are one. And the Bible goes on and says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. In Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, the Bible says, There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And I just want you to understand, this place... This church, Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minster, Ohio, belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? It's his work. It's his church. It belongs to him. And what a privilege we have to serve our Savior in a location like this. Amen? Amen. When I look back and I thought about as we enter into this 49th year of ministry at Calvary, we certainly thank many men who had their hand in the inception of this church and Certainly, Brother Boldman did a wonderful job at a start and a work in the middle of a cornfield in a predominantly Catholic area. And we saw photographs of what God's done in time past, but that doesn't have to just remain in the past. It can be in the future as well. And God wants to see souls come to Christ Jesus. And so we see that work going on. Yet the obstacles, when I thought about it, didn't affect the furtherance of the gospel message. And we have to always remember that. There are no obstacles for God only opportunities for man to overcome them. There are no obstacles for God, only opportunities for men to overcome them by the power of God. And so we need God in the midst of the ministry. And when I look at this, at Calvary, it's, I see this spiritual light being still shining, and we've had our highs and we've had our lows, but God used this ministry, and he's used men, and he used Brother Boldman, and this church still stands today because it was built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, and that's why it's here. Amen. And it still has a purpose. It still has a purpose. It's the Great Commission. The local New Testament church, I, I think about it all the time. It's an amazing place. When uh, you think about this, all the people that are still together here, we still have the same commission you had when we started. You still have the same commission to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The commission's not changed. It's still the same. Now, people and faces change, but God's commission remains the same. And when I thought about the local New Testament church, it's an amazing, and listen to what I'm about to share with you, organism. And the reason I use that term is because this place is alive. If the shed blood of Jesus Christ paid for this, and he is the foundation of it, this is a living organism. It is to be alive, and it's alive through him and through his word. And so it's alive. When I thought about this, 
uh, that the shed blood of Jesus Christ and Christ being the chief cornerstone God has set in place. And it says in Ephesians 2, 20 and 22, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together, together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. God says that we the people in here are really the local church and we are the ones that God's using to cause things to function. The building is a wonderful place. It's great that we can be housed in a location, in a permanent location, but it is you that is the body of believers of Jesus Christ. Amen? You are who he wants to use. God will use men in the church, but it is Christ Jesus that establishes the work. It is Christ Jesus that builds the work. It is Christ Jesus that the work is to be built upon. And we'll see this in this passage as we get into this. And God uses men and women to continue to reach the lost and build upon that work. He, Christ Jesus, is the one that established this work in Mintsville, Ohio, some 49 years ago. I'm grateful for all of you that are serving, <laughs> grateful for what God is doing. And I want to challenge you in your thoughts this morning. Do you have a biblical knowledge of the foundation and workings of the local New Testament church? Now listen to this phrase. It comes straight from the Bible. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. We have to do the work we're doing because we love Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you with me today? Yeah. We do what we do because we love Jesus. Ms. Fisher, you play that piano because you love Jesus. Amen. Amen? Brother Bill, you put that mulch out there because you love Jesus. <laughs> and I'm sharing with you, no matter what you do for the Lord, it's never in vain. Brother Darrell, when you painted the sign, doing it in the name of Christ, it's never in vain. Connie teaching at Explorers Bible Club, <laughs> that's not in vain. It is something that God is choosing to use you for, Miss Pam, when you go back in that nursery. Miss Kathy, are you hearing me? It's not in vain. The things you do, you do them because you love the Lord. Now I want to challenge you today. The foundation of any ministry is built upon the Christ. Amen? The Christ, the Lord Jesus. But when I look at this, we need to acknowledge that he's the chief cornerstone of the church. He has to be. If it's built upon a man, it's built upon the wrong thing. It has to be built upon Jesus Christ. And lastly this, he provided some keys to us we believe that the keys were just given to Peter, but Peter was given the keys to open up the gospel to the world. And those keys have been passed on to us to continue that gospel message. I want to challenge you with this. If you look at verses 13 through 17, what a challenge to these disciples. And Jesus said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He already answered the question, didn't he? Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He already answered the question, didn't he? And, and as you go down, here's the challenge to you and me. But whom say ye that I am? See, he wanted to know, what do you disciples think about me? What is your thought about me? What do you think today, you folks sitting in this room today, what is your thought about Jesus Christ? Who is he to you? And so when I look at the scriptures, what you believe about Jesus makes a difference in heaven or hell and how you live this life. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they began to say a bunch of things. And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elias, and some say some prophets. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted to know one thing, Brother Jimmy. Who do you believe he is? Amen. Who do you believe he is? Who is he to you, Steve? Who is he, James? Is he your Savior? Do you know him personally? 
Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you really know him as your Savior? Or do you just know about him? Because listen, one day there's a thing called the judgment seat of Christ. Are you aware of that? And one day you're going to stand before the Christ. The Christ Jesus, amen? Yeah. And when you stand before him, you're going to give an account with what you did with your salvation. Now listen, if you're not saved, you're not going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Your salvation isn't in question when you stand at that judgment seat. What is in question is, what have you done with so great a salvation that he has given unto you? And your works will be wood, hay, and stubble, which will burn in the fire, or they will be precious stones, silver, and gold, which will last. Amen. And I want to challenge you, who do you believe Jesus is? As we go through the message, not only who do I believe Jesus is, if I believe he's the Christ, then I understand he built the church. Amen? Amen. And it was because of his shed blood. So consider for a moment who you believe that Jesus Christ is to you. You know, it's important as to what others, it's not as important to know what others think about Christ. What's important is, what do you know about him? What do you believe about him? What is it that you know about Jesus Christ? Now listen, uh, Brother Chris, man, we need to read the Word of God. Do you agree? You got to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll find out who Jesus is, amen? And, and you'll find out he's the Savior of the world. You have to look to the Scriptures, and you have to begin to read the Bible, and you'll begin to have this relationship that you never thought was possible. But I'm here to tell you, He is the Christ. Amen. And if you read your Bible, you'll find out how wonderful He is. When I thought about this, Jesus wanted to establish His relationship with His disciples, but He wanted to know, who do you think I am? <laughs> See, He wants a relationship with you, but He wants you to understand you need to know who He is. Nothing can be built for Christ, physically or spiritually, unless it's established in your heart that you're doing this for Christ Jesus. Listen, when you stand before God, and, and listen, it's required of stewards to be faithful. Would you agree? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2? It's required that we be found faithful. Now listen, as a faithful servant of God, I am going to stand in the presence of my Savior at some point, and if I am saved, my salvation is not in question. But what is in question is, Robert, and by the way, it's not going to have a title. When Donald Trump stands before God, it's going to be Donald Trump. It's not going to be President Trump. There's going to be no titles when we stand before God. He's going to say to me, Robert, what have you done in my name for my name's sake? Amen. So if I preach that I might amuse you or please you, or I'm preaching to you because of pride, or I'm preaching to you because I want other people to know my name, I got it wrong. Are you with me? I got it all wrong. If I'm here because I want to promote Jesus Christ, and the purpose of my heart is, is I want you to know Jesus Christ, I want you to have a great relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want you to teach others about Jesus Christ, then we got it right. Amen. Amen. Because it's not about any of us. It's about him, isn't it? <laughs> he is the Christ. When I look at the scriptures, and I want to challenge you in your thoughts today, think about this. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, God could have said, Man, Peter, <laughs> whoa. And that is amazing. Peter, you're so amazing. That's not what he said, did he? He said,
said, God. Amen. Amen. God showed you that. Amen. I remember one time I was with Brother Nichols and I was in the book of Ezra. And I'd been praying and praying and praying about preaching a message. I remember when I got into Ezra and I was in chapter 7 and I was looking at some things and, and then I wrote some stuff down. And I came to Pastor and I said, Pastor, you got to see this. It's like I'd never seen it before. You ever been there? <laughs> I came in and I was so excited. I was like, I got a message. <laughs> he said, You do? I said, man, look at this. Look what I found. Look what I wrote. And he looked right at me, Jim, and he went, Amen. I just want you to know, God showed you that. Amen. Boy, what a lesson. Amen. 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 God shows you that. And I want to challenge you, when you open up the scriptures and you see it, <laughs> oh, to God be the glory. Amen. We just sang it. Amen. Glory to his name. Amen. <laughs> hey, listen, everything you have, everything you possess, every thought you have established in your mind. Listen, God is the one that gives you that. <laughs> the Christ. The Christ. Now here's your challenge, okay? Into the thoughts of this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And you see, your view of Christ comes by way of the Heavenly Father. Your, 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 view, your view of Christ, listen, everything we know comes through him, doesn't it? How do you even know about him? Because it's of his word. I, I listen to people dispute over this book so many times, and here's the thing. I love my King James Bible, amen? <laughs> I hope you do too. When I open up this book and I read this thing, and I'm saying to myself, man, this is the word of God. And the wonderful thing about it is I've heard people say to me, Brother Chris, listen, they've said, you know that book contradicts itself? And you know what I've said to him, Chris? I said, would you please show me? And I'm not trying to be crass. I said, would you please show me? And the reason I ask him for that, Chris, is this reason. I say, would you show me? Because my whole life is dependent upon this word. <laughs> so if it contradicts itself even in one place, I got a problem. Would you agree? And so I look at it, Chris, and I say, man, this is the word of God. And when I read this, I know I have Jesus Christ in my hands. Amen. It is the word of God. And he is the word. So when I pick it up, I see it. And God said about this, about his Christ. And I just want you to get a hold of this. You can just write them down because pastor's going to go real fast right now, Daryl. So just write them down, okay? I'm going to go real fast. Here's what he said about his son in Matthew 3, 17 and 17, 5. And lo, a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And well, he yet spake. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Amen. Listen to him. When he said here, it has the idea of listen with a view to obedience, Joe. Yeah. That's what it means. Amen. It means that I not only know what it says, but I'm going to do what it says because I hear it. And to hear is just not to have noise into my ears. It is that I listen to it and I obey it. Amen. That's the word here. has the idea of I'm taking it in. And I'm doing something about what's coming into me. He said in Mark 1.11, And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In Luke 3.22, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son. In thee I am well pleased. In 2 Peter 1.17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellency of glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to know my my heavenly father is pleased with his son and i'm saying to you this morning is the son pleased with you what's your relationship like with him 
Who is Jesus to you? Who is he? Listen, he's the beloved son of God. He's the beloved. When I look at this, to believe in Jesus Christ is to believe in God. You know when people say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. No, you don't. I'm sorry, you don't. You either know Jesus Christ or you don't. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. You must know Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't separate the two. When you get saved, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask because we have the petitions that we desired of him. And so what is the petition? And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You cannot know God and not know Jesus Christ. To know God, you must know Christ. You've got to know the Christ. So I ask you this morning, whom say ye that he is? Who is he to you? When you look to the Scriptures, I see some things here. You cannot separate the Son from the Father. John 14, 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? <laughs> what did he tell Philip? He corrected his disciple. This is someone walking right beside Jesus. And what did he do? He corrected him. He said, Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the what? You've seen the Father. You can't separate them. Brother Bill, they are one in the same. I don't understand it. When I was growing up, I used to use three-in-one oil. I used to ask my daddy, how'd they get three oils in one? He said, they mix all three of them up, stir them up, and put them in one can, and then sell it to you and call it three-in-one. Amen? <laughs> Listen, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are what? One. one. They're not separate. They're all one. You know, the wonderful thing about it is... It's God the Father sent His only begotten Son so that you might get saved. And when you get saved, God the Father decided to give you a part of Himself and He put the Holy Spirit in you when you got saved. Amen? Amen. By the way, you know what that gives me access to? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three in one. Where? In me. (laughs) In you if you're saved. We have Him. The Bible goes on to teach us something in John 10, 30. He said, I and my Father are one. one. <laughs> Isn't that good? I mean, that lets me know I don't have to think about it. So somebody that says, well, I don't believe in Jesus, but I believe in God, you're missing it. You can't separate those two. To believe in God, you have to have Christ. He said in uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to tell you something. When we stand behind, when we stand before him, when we come and we're standing right there and he's before us, listen, we will confess him as Savior. And we're going to do it in salvation or someone's going to do it in condemnation. And you're going to do it in one of two ways. You're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ or you're going to be at the great white throne judgment. Now I pray that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior puts us at the judgment seat of Christ. What comes into play there? Well, those things that I've done that are good and bad, is that going to get me into heaven? No, it's just weighing out what I've done with so great a salvation. Oh, but at the great white throne judgment, folks, the Christ will be there too. He'll be there because he is the judge of all. And he will judge those 
the quick and the dead. And he will take that soul and he will cast that soul into hell. And death and hell will be cast into a lake of fire for all eternity. It's not going to get undone. It's what is done. And I challenge you, who is the Christ to you? Now listen, biblical foundation, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Well, the second thing is this. Nothing can be down, uh, uh, destroyed uh, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ creates. It can't be brought down and it cannot be destroyed. And here's what he says. Look at verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to tell you that the entire Catholic religion is built upon that verse. They believe that Peter was the first pope. And that verse is the most misunderused, or misused uh, verse in the scriptures. It's the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. The church, if it were built upon Peter, it were built upon a what? Just a man. If it were built upon Jesus Christ, it was built upon a divine God, wasn't it? Amen. Now here's your challenge when you read this. Most people read this and they don't get it. It's misused and false religions use this to teach that the church was established by uh, Peter. There's a simple answer. Jesus is speaking and he's speaking to Peter. Now, if you know uh, Greek, and I know you don't, but we read this and he say, uh, unto, uh, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. He said, hey, listen, little pebble, Petros, little pebble. By the way, it means rock or rock man. So he had the rock before the rock was the rock, right? How many of you know who I'm talking about? You can lie and say, no, I have no idea who you're talking about, but he's a pretty big deal, isn't he? Dwayne, see, I knew you knew who he was. The Rock, Chris, they call him The Rock. But I want to know that, I want you to know Peter was The Rock before he was. But when Jesus spoke to him, he said, hey, listen, little pebble. <laughs> Are you with me? Hey, listen, little pebble, I want to tell you something. Here's what's going to happen. The church is going to be built, now he starts referring back to himself. You know what's so interesting about this verse? That he doesn't refer to the church here in a masculine sense, Brother David. He refers to the church as feminine. Isn't that interesting? And he said, upon this rock, Jesus is now talking about himself, upon the big rock, the big boulder, <laughs> I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, what's so interesting to me is that's the feminine use of the word. I said, why feminine? Well, it shows up in Revelation. Jesus is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. bride. So am I opposed to uh, two women getting married or two men getting married? Yeah, because there's a man and a woman involved, amen, in marriage. When you look at that, he talks about the bridegroom, right, and the bride. And he refers to it as a feminine thing. <laughs> now why? Because this, this body, this group, these people, you sitting here, we're the bride. And so what it is is that he's referring back to the church. Now listen, Jesus said... And, I, and I'm just doing this for illustration. Upon this rock, hey, little pebble, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was informing them that the church could not be built upon a man. It had to be built upon Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
So when I look at the scriptures and I see this, the church is founded and built by Jesus Christ and not a man. This is what gives the work of the ministry strength. It's what gives us endurance. It's what helps sustain the ministry because it's not just built upon a man. It's built upon the man, Christ Jesus. It's built upon the Son of Man. So no matter what comes to the local New Testament church as far as tests and trials, nothing can overcome it. Nothing can overthrow it. It is the work that is sustained and founded upon Jesus Christ. And it says, and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that wonderful? No matter what happens in a ministry, if Jesus Christ is in it, guess what? It will not fail. It cannot fail. Jesus will not allow that to happen. And so the entrance of hell or even death in no way can overtake the work of Christ. And so I share with you, the church is alive, folks. It's alive and well. The church that Christ establishes to fulfill the work of Christ. And, and listen, you say, what is that work, Pastor? It's to spread the gospel. That's what it's all about. Uh, and we have events and we have activities just like today. Uh, we're having an event and an activity. God told us to fellowship one with another. Uh, he told us, and surely if we fellowship one with another, surely our fellowship is with Christ Jesus. And so he wants us to come together. He wants us to fellowship together. He wants us to be together. He wants us to be in his house when the doors are open. And he tells us that in the scriptures. And God wants us to be together. Why? He wants Christians to come together. And then the whole focus of that just turns itself back toward that core, that foundation, that chief cornerstone. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate goal. And it doesn't matter whether we're having smoked pork or whether we're having a BBS or whether we're having fried chicken. It doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus Christ. Amen? And so all that we do has to come back and circle the wagons around our Savior. Amen? And we just got to come up around Him. For whatever we're doing in the church, it's all about Jesus Christ. So whether we put mulch down, whether we paint signs, whether we do VBS, whether we're doing the Explorers Club, uh, whether we're going out soul winning, no matter what we're doing, uh, uh, working in the nursery, teaching a Sunday school class, uh, preaching the Word of God, praying together, witnessing together, handing out tracts, it makes no difference. It has to be surrounded around Jesus Christ. Amen. It's got to be about Him. Amen. Because without Him, we can do what? Nothing. Nothing. But with God... All things are what? Possible. Possible, without a doubt. And so we come to the scriptures and we find that not only the Christ and what you believe about him matters, but what you believe about the local New Testament church matters too because he is the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the one that builds the work. He is the one that uses the people in a local New Testament church. And listen, we are his bride and he is the bridegroom and one day he's coming back to take us with him. Amen. And I look to the scriptures, that chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Christ being the chief cornerstone of the local New Testament church, the entire position of the work of the church, God stated, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. It must be built upon Jesus Christ. The last thought is this, and I'm so grateful to my God. He not only told us who he was, he not only demonstrated that he established the local church, but then he gave us some keys. Isn't that wonderful? Now we got the keys to the church. <laughs> what is it all about? You see, he gave these keys to Peter, and we see Peter open up the gospel at Pentecost. Do you remember the day of Pentecost? <laughs> and so what he says here is this, and he says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bound on, bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he charged them not to talk about it, <laughs> because there was a day coming 
Jesus was going to be crucified, wasn't he? And I want to challenge you in your thinking today. Jesus initially gave that authority to open the doors of the gospel to the world, and he used Peter in the day of Pentecost. Let me read some verses. We'll not turn there this morning. Acts 2.14, and then 22 and 24. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. <laughs> Christ told Peter and that anything that heaven, not the apostles, initiates the binding and the loosing. You see, nothing could be loosed in heaven and nothing could be bound on earth. Nothing could be loosed on earth and nothing could be bound in heaven until Jesus died. It had to be Christ. Christ is the one that had to do it. Now he says, Peter, I'm going to pass these keys to you and now you have an opportunity to share this gospel message with the world. You know what we're left with today? That same message. We have the opportunity to preach the gospel to the world. The apostles and us today are given that charge and the truth of that charge. And listen, anybody that will listen to you, and I share this with you wholeheartedly, go as far as they will allow you to go. Get the Bible open. The Bible says that it's what saves. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen? Amen. So what is the power unto salvation? It's the word of God. It's the Word of God. Unless the Word of God is being used, how are people going to get saved? You say, well, doesn't even creation teach them? It does teach them. But at what point do they recognize that they need a Savior? Amen. And so you say to yourselves, yes, creation does teach us, and they need to recognize God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what happens is, is we have the opportunity as a church body to go out into this community and bring them in based upon the truth of the gospel. It is the gospel message that saves Listen, we've been given the keys. Peter was given the keys. The keys have been handed down to us. And so now what do we do with these keys that we have? And therefore, the apostles were to hold the truth of Christ until Jesus ascended back into the heavens. And the day of Pentecost, Peter proclaimed Christ who died for all. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? That day at Pentecost, what happened? Peter came out and said, guess what, guys? He is the Christ. The very thing, the very thing that he said right here in Matthew, he believed that in his heart. He believed who Jesus Christ was. Listen, if he did not, how would he preach that message at Pentecost that day? How would it be possible for him to come over and preach that which he did not believe? You see, it would come unglued, wouldn't it? But the very message that Peter preached that day, your pastor stands here before you thousands of years later preaching the same old message. And by the way, it's not old. It's new every day. And when I look to the Scriptures and I see this, the keys given unto Peter have been passed on to us as well. And we have the great commission today to fulfill. Listen to this, and I finished with this this morning. Acts 4, 10 through 12. Be it known unto you all. I like it. I think they were Southerners. I still believe that. I know we live in the Midwest. I just think these folks were Southerners, Bill. He said, you all. Now, where do we get that? That's what we used to say in the South, you all, right? So you look at this. I believe Paul might have been a Southerner, Amen. He said, be it known unto y'all <laughs> and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, notice what he says. This is where it pinches, doesn't it? This is where it hurts. Listen to what it says. He's talking to these Israelites whom you crucified. Whew. 
Man, can you imagine being in that meeting that day? He said, I just want to tell you, the guy you killed, I want to tell you who he is. He said, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. <laughs> God didn't leave him in the grave. He's raised. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. Man, we ought to rejoice in that. And he says, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. I want you to know something. Peter learned something today that Jesus said to him. God revealed that to you. He realized I stand before you whole today because of who? Because of God. He wasn't there on his own. He was there because God allowed it. He was there because it was God that put him in that place. And he says, in whom he raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is the stone. Which was set at naught of you builders. In other words, you moved it out of the way. The thing that it needs to be centered on. Now, I want to share something with you. When you talk about a chief cornerstone or you talk about a cornerstone, let me share this thought with you. I was looking at this, and I began to think about that cornerstone. And one of the things about a cornerstone, it's what sets the whole structure. It sets the whole position of the building. If that cornerstone is not set properly, <laughs> the rest of the building will be out. It won't be right. But that chief cornerstone, that cornerstone has to be right for the rest of the structure to be right. And I want to tell you something. If Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, we better set our position on him. Amen? And when I look at this and I see this in the scriptures, I'm saying to you, he said, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. <laughs> Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> there isn't anybody else. It isn't going to happen any other way, Chris. The way you did it, that's the only way it happens for anybody else. It's the only way, Steve, people get to heaven. It's the only way. It has to come through Christ Jesus. So here's the challenge for you this morning. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he is the Christ? Do you believe that he is the chief cornerstone of the church? Do you believe that he's passed that keys on to us to witness on his behalf? Let's pray.